Thank you for thank you for leading us in worship today, you guys. Um, we were gone for two weeks on vacation, which is lovely. We missed two Sundays, and sometimes when I come back, I'm reminded um, how I connect with God, singing with you, in a way I don't any other way. And I know it's not for every everyone, but I experience God's presence. Um, in me in a way that I don't experience on my own. And I don't experience even worshiping in my car on my own. So thank you. Thank you. So we are in the book of Ephesians. And thank you so much to Janice and Kathleen who preached for us while we were gone. Um, If you haven't listened to their messages, I listened to both of them this week and I highly I recommend you go back on the podcast and and take a listen. So if you're new with us today, we're in the middle. So you're in the middle, you're hopping in, and we're in the middle of Ephesians. I'm not going to go back and give you like everything. Um, But I wanted to tell you why we landed here. Like, how did we find ourselves in Ephesians this summer? So Jamie and I went to conference this year, and one of the pastors um, who we both highly respect, really respect her voice and her wisdom, said, I preach from Ephesians more than any other book because there's more in Ephesians about living as a community and as a body than any other book. And so Jamie and I were curious. We're like, let's go back to this book. Let's see what there is. Let's see what, um, let's see what Tammy is preaching about all the time. So we have landed there, and you're in the middle. We are dead smack in the middle of the book, Ephesians. And actually, Janice briefly touched on this part last week, but it's hot in here. Sorry, guys. I see it's hot, so I'm sorry. Um, But Jamie and I love this passage, and we're like, I really wanted to speak on this. And he's like, me too. Like, um, this is a prayer that you have most likely heard, because I would perhaps say it's the most, I would say it's the most beautiful prayer in the Bible. And so maybe now you're like, what is this prayer that Heidi considers to be the most beautiful prayer in in all of Scripture? So that's where we're going to land today. And really, as Jamie and I were last night sitting and talking, um, really, this is Paul's hope for the believers of Ephesians. This is his longing. This is his desire. He's like, if there's anything else, this this is what I want you, who I want you to be. And really, Jamie's like, this is our hope. This is our longing. This is our desire for us and for, for you. So um, we're going we're gonna to read it today, and we're going to go through it. And in this community, this time of year is a time of beginnings. Some of you are moving here. You have never been away from home before, or you have. It is a time of, um, for parents, This might be your first kid going away from home. That is so hard. It is so hard. I cried like a baby for months, my friends can tell you, when Emma went away. Um, It's really hard. And I also think in this town, it's a time of looking, and I've been listening to to the Holy Spirit, like, what do you have for me this year? The university and your job has plans for your life. And they have things that are going to keep you so busy. And I stop and I pause and I say, God, what are you? Where are you moving me? 
this year? What do you have for me this year? What's the Holy Spirit saying to me, to you? And so today, as you listen to this prayer, I invite you to listen and to think and to hear. And Jamie's going to start with reading the passage. Yes, we're going to read the passage, and I'm going to do something that I never do. I'm going to read it from my phone. So we really recommend having a paper Bible because we like you to know where things are at. But if you need it on your phone, you can open up your Bible app. We're going to be Ephesians chapter 3, and it's the second half. Oh, that's why that looked funny. Uh, 14, verses 14 through 21. And I'm reading from the NRSV. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth take its name. I pray, according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Now to him, who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly more, abundantly far more than all we could ask or imagine, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to every generation forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We often say here, this is the word of God for the people of God. You are the people of God. And so when we say that, your response is supposed to be, thanks, thanks be to God. Thanks, God. You know, but so, thanks be, so this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. This is a ridiculous prayer. It really is. Um, I can't think of a more audacious prayer to pray, pray for anybody. And this is, uh, as Heidi said, our deepest hope and desire for you and for us. Um, if you're new to the church and you want to know what we are about, this passage is it. There is more in this passage about what, what defines us as pastors and what our hope for each of you is and how we minister and what we lead folks in. It's all right here. And he starts uh, this prayer with this crazy little, I mean, it's like literally she said we're starting in the middle of the book it's like starting in the middle of Paul's thought, right? He starts with, for this reason. Like, what is this reason? Um, and it's funny because this is the second time Paul has interrupted his own flow of thought. If you go back to the beginning of the, the chapter, he says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And then he's like, oh, wait, didn't you, did you know I was in prison? And he starts talking about being in prison and why he's in prison and he's in prison for the gospel. And he's talking about freedom. He's like, it's this crazy dichotomy. In Jesus, we are free, and we have been set free, and there's no chains, and, and then except for I'm in prison for the sake of this freedom. So you out there are all free, you know, by Roman rule, but you're also free in Christ. And I am here in prison and in chains, and yet I am also free. So that's the first interruption. And now he's like, oh, yeah, I'm back to my, my strain of thought. I want to pray for you for this reason. The reason, and what is this reason? Um, this reason is basically everything that he has said in chapters one and two. <laughs> and it's a lot. And so we wanted to remind you of what one and two really said. Um, big ideas. First of all, that the kingdom of God is not just invading earth, but it has come. 
The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So you've got this world, right, where brokenness has happened, where sin happens, where division happens, where slavery happens, where death happens, and into that world is coming the kingdom of God. This, this, it's enfolding, it's invading, it's wrapping around, and so where all the places where there was slavery, now freedom is available. All the places where there is brokenness and death, now there is life available. Where there is strife and division, there is peace available. Where there is power dynamics that keep us divided and like trying to rule over one another, it's all been laid flat, and now there is unity available to us. It is this massive idea of because of Jesus and the cross, God invaded, and it's such good, good news. For this reason, Paul prays for us. I just ran out of steam. You got something? So what's kind of interesting about this, and you see Paul's worldview and the way he sees things, and just to notice is that he says every family in heaven on earth. It's just kind of interesting to notice he's saying that there's families in heaven. Like, who are these families? And he's talking about angels, and he's talking about seraphim. That's not something we talk a lot about in the church, in our modern world. But in Paul's thinking, and Paul, Paul talks a lot about the angels. So he's including them. They're included. Father God is over everything, including the heavenlies. So it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to know. And it, it makes me be, I'm just like, well, that's a little, that's a little different. <laughs> I like how he points out like all the families in heaven and on earth. So how many of you are a part of a family? Everybody is a part of a family of some sort, even bad families, right? You were a part of a family. Mm. Every family in heaven on earth now takes its name from the Father above. You are now a part of God's family, the new family of Jesus. And it's such good news that Paul wants to pray for this. And he wants to pray for not, this is the big thing that we wanted to capture through this whole thing, is he's not praying for Doug. He's not. And he's not praying for for Jamie. He's not praying for Sherry. He's praying for y'all. He's praying for all y'all. And that's this is a word that you know in in the he uh, sorry the uh, the Greek we translate it as you and we read it. I've been so guilty of reading this and preaching it and teaching it and praying it over and over in the first person that I would be rooted and established in love or that Doug would be rooted and established in love. But it's not about that. It's about y'all. You wanted to say some stuff about that. I think when I was talking with Jamie, like if there's anything <clears throat> this week that has sat with me when reading this passage is how individualistic I and most of us are in our thinking, read the scriptures. And I have heard this message preached. I have heard this taught that I would grow, that I would understand, that I would get things. And Paul doesn't use Almost always, Paul uses the word you all, like he's from Texas. And so he's not, though. He's saying, for you all, the people in Ephesians, he's saying, I want you all to experience this. I want this for every single one of you. And what was the most interesting and the most to me, like, oh, is he said, the way you experience this is by you all coming together. You can't, Paul's saying, you can't experience the breath, 
and the depth and all that God has for you alone. You can't. And that is a lot for us to get around in a non-communal society. Paul's saying you can only experience this when you are in community. And community is hard. And when Paul talks about community, he talks about people who aren't getting along. He talks about people who don't like each other. Even in a homogenous church, which I don't think we really are in our beliefs and thinkings, even if there's someone who thinks like you, acts like you, there's still people that you don't like. Right? There's people who don't like everybody here. And what he's saying is when you all come together and you all learn to be together, that is when you experience the depth of God. Um, Tim Mackey with the Bible Project, I want to quote him because he says this. I've been getting my brain around it all week. I want to read right here what he says. He says, there are depths and dimensions of God's love that are impossible for me to grasp if I am not regularly in close community with other believers who are not like me. Seeing through the eyes of the not like me, the world gets bigger and more complex, and so does the love of God. He's saying that on your own, you cannot experience the depths of what God has for you. But when you rub shoulders with people who are different than you, which is crazy, Christ on the cross asks us to love people who are hard for us. He asks us to love, love our enemies. That's crazy, right? Aside from Jesus, that doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? Why would you put yourself out there? But here he's saying, unless you put yourself in community with people who think differently than you, you can't experience all of God. Have you, have you experienced it before? Have you been with people who are so different than you, but they still love God? You're like, how can you and I both be Christians? Because we look nothing alike. And to realize that there's part of you that can't experience all of God unless you put yourself in that space with them. I think what makes part of this so difficult is we have, our culture has a broken view of love. We think that love is always easy. It's always soft. It's, you know, happy feelings. We're like, I love pizza. I love, you know, movies. I love the Cougs. Uh, you know, we have this view of love that has to do with my choice alone and no, not uh, anything on the other side. And it is, it's soft and easy and good feelings. But sometimes love is very difficult and love is very painful. And sometimes love does things that feels like hurt. But it's done because it's love and because it's best. And Paul is calling us into an understanding of love that's not shaped by our world's view of love, but by the cross and by Christ and by God's love invading earth. It's a very difficult concept to get your brain around. But that's why Paul is praying this prayer. Because on our own, we can't get it. Seriously. 
completely on our own, we definitely can't get it. Isolated in a room, we can't get it. Um, there is, there is a, a thought that goes through the church nowadays that I don't need the church to be a Christian. All I need is Jesus, just me and Jesus, just me and Jesus. And uh, Jesus would say, that is never what I intended. <laughs> I, I didn't just pick one disciple, I picked 12. And I had 72 and multitudes beyond that. And, you know, we go, oh, Jesus would have died just for me. And, you know, in the, in the depths of God's love, yes, but he didn't. He died for us. And we are meant to be in community with one another. That's why we gather every week, because there are dimensions of God's love that we can only understand when we are together. And that just flies in the face of our culture's individual and our cultural thought that I can do this alone. My Western, you know, like, what is success? Being able to do it on my own. Like one of our kids' first things they ever said, I do it myself, right? That's us. I do it myself. We can't. This prayer is all about that, that we can't, that the depths of God's love cannot be understood unless we are together. Can we back up? We can. <clears throat> oh, man, my throat. It's hard. Can we back up and go up a little bit into the passage? Um, another, another um, I guess, point that stuck with me that I wanted to, to talk about today is I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are rooted and grounded in love. There's so much in there. Um, but first I wanted to start with the power. So in the beginning of the, the book, we talked about power. And when Kathleen's message, she said that Paul, when he came to Christ, had to change the way that he thought about things. Paul had to change the way that he thought, thought about gender. Because in his culture, it was patriarchy. And under Christ, in Galatians, he says, now you're equal. And Paul had to rethink how he thought about power. Because power in his world, in our world, is the, the most, the strongest the one who has the most sway, the one who can get things done. And in this passage, it's saying that power is inside. It's an inner strength. Power is nothing to do with who has the most money, who has the strongest arm, who can get the most things done, who looks the most amazing. It's not about the things that are all around us. Power is something that God gives you through your Holy Spirit inside of you. It's something you can't give yourself. It's given as a gift from the Holy Spirit. And so as Paul had to learn a new way of looking at power. Paul had to learn a new way of looking at power as in slaves. Do you guys know Philemon? There's like one, it's one page, and it's a story where Philemon was told how to relate to his servant, Onesimus. He said, in this church, in this community, you're equal. You're equal. In this community, there's no, you're the employee and you're the employer. You're, there's not the servant and slave. He says, you're the equal. And so Paul had to learn how to look at people differently and to look at power differently. I had the other one here that he had to gender. gender. 
Yeah, there's not one. I think I already said that one. Oh, nationality. So in Paul's mind, Jews were always above everyone else. And he had to rethink it. Jesus said, with us, you're all equal. Is there a, is there a nationality that you consider yourself above? Is there a nationality that you think, well, or, or less than? And in Christ, he says, you're all humans. You're just people. And it's hard to get our brain around because it's the way the world's been for pretty much forever. And Paul had to rethink it, and he's asking us to rethink the way we see um, power, gender, um, nationality. So. so Paul prays that we would be given power. And he's not talking about a bully sort of power. He's not talking about, you know, an agency sort of power, the power to make a choice or a decision or to look behind you and see how many people are following you or what degrees you have on your wall or, or you know, just how great of a person you are. He's not talking about any of that kind of power, the power that we have in this culture. He's talking about God's power, the, the power of the Holy Spirit resting upon us, the power that, that equalizes, that levels that brings us that feel lowly and less than upward, that brings those of us who think too highly of ourselves downward and brings us to look at one another in the eye as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And that is not a power that's very attractive to me, honestly, because I grew up in a world as a man especially that says you need to be successful and powerful and have a big church and do all these things or be the business owner, business leader. You know, I want that kind of power. That's what I want. That power feels good. But the power that we are invited to here, not just invited to, but that Paul says, I pray that you would be filled with power. It's almost like this picture of an invasion, that like an empty cup, and suddenly it's being filled completely, and the cup doesn't choose. <laughs> the cup doesn't choose what's going in there, and it's being filled with this power of God. So that. There's this so that. And this is where the y'all gets really crazy. Like, if you could just go into your Bible and scratch out the word you and just put y'all in there, because mm -hmm. this it's, it reads really fun. You just have to get back to your Texas roots, or I, my family's from Louisiana, so to get back to my, my Louisiana roots, the y'all from Louisiana. Um, and he says this, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant y'all, that, that y'all may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in y'all's hearts through faith. As y'all are being rooted and grounded in love. This rooted and grounded in love thing, it sounds really nice, right? It's poetic. It's pretty. But Paul is like, okay, this book, we haven't even got into how brilliant a piece of literature this book is. He is taking us back to my favorite book of the Bible. So everybody who is from Pullman Foursquare um, has been here for years. What is my favorite book of the Bible? Genesis. Genesis. What's my favorite chapter in Genesis? Well, chapters one through three. It's the first three <laughs> chapters. I'll give you that. And Paul is taking us back there, and he says, rooted. He's, you're like, what does your brain think of? A, a, a tree, right? You think of a tree, and he's taking us back to the garden and the tree of life that is rooted and planted in the center of the garden, surrounded by all of God's goodness and every good thing. It's in the center of that place. And Paul is saying that y'all would become a tree. Not one of you, y'all together, planted like the tree of life in the center of garden, in the center of the garden. And he says, grounded. Now he's taking us to another place. He's taking us to the temple. You want to talk about the temple? 
You sure, sure. So this is really interesting. This passage here, I kind of just was like, oh, it says that you would ask Christ to dwell in your hearts. How many of you grew up hearing, ask Jesus into your heart? Like, ask you, this is the only place that this actually is in the New Testament, is this passage right here. And yet, like, so many of us grew up hearing that over and over and over again, and we heard it for unbelievers, people who had never experienced Christ, right, that they would invite Christ into their hearts. There is nothing wrong with that prayer. That is a beautiful prayer. However, the only time it's used in Scripture, it's for believers. He's writing to people who are already believers, who are already Christians, and he says, you all need more of Jesus in your heart. Think of that. You all, you feel that, don't you? I feel that, that I need more of Jesus in me. Um, the temple language, that can sound kind of confusing if you're not, like, used to familiar. But there's an idea all the way from the beginning of Scripture that God really wants, really wants to be with his people. In the garden, he really, really wanted to be with them, right? He wanted more than anything. And then as you move through Scripture, we call it temple language. He created a tabernacle or a temple because he just wanted to be with his people all the time. And then as we move into the New Testament... We, I am, you are, us all are the temple because God really wants to be with us. More than anything, the God who created us wants to take up space in you. I find myself often praying, God, take up space in me. God, come take up space in me. Because I need more of Jesus in my heart. You all need more of Jesus in your heart. Y'all need Jesus. <laughs> That's how we'd say it. So it says that you'd be rooted, tree, grounded. The imagery is actually like, it's, it's architecture. It's, it's getting to bedrock and that first stone being placed, that's grounded. That we are in the bedrock of things and it's, the bedrock is the love of Christ. So not only rooted in the love, we're grounded in the love and then we are filled with the love. Holy cow. It's like mind-blowing what this is, what he's praying here. And it's for y'all, that y'all may be strengthened in your inner being. You know, we like to keep things out here, right? We like, we like knowledge. We are a knowledge culture. We're not even an understanding culture anymore. We are a knowledge culture. We like to gather knowledge. Uh, I took an Enneagram test, and one of, the, one of the Enneagram numbers is like a personality type is a five, and it's like we like to know everything about everything. And I'm like, I think I might be that one. I'm not. I'm a nine, which is a whole different thing. But I, nines like to be all of them. Okay, so that's where, and that's where I'm at. But it's like I, I want to tear apart the universe and understand its smallest, it, you know, and just collect this knowledge. Uh, we take a class, EHS and EHR, one of the first questions they ask just to get to know each other, what is your dream job? And I always say this, my dream job would be to learn things and do nothing with it just to gather information and knowledge and fill it up, fill myself up with it. And this is, where, where was I even going with this? I got stuck. I was like, this whole knowledge thing, I got excited about it. Pretty much Paul's saying the opposite. He's saying exactly <laughs> the opposite. You explain it. What, what, what am I saying? I don't know if I can explain what you're saying, but... <laughs> I was, what, what was I saying? I even forgot. Hard, hard I lost to say it. what you were saying. I was excited. wondering where you were going as well. 
But uh, what Paul is saying. Oh, the inner human. Yeah, it's an inner human. The knowledge. That's where I was Go at. Go for it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, and that's why, I, that's why yeah, I want to learn things and not do anything with it. See, yeah, because it's confusing. Um, so Paul says, you can be strengthened in your inner being. So we like to keep things out there. We like to know things. We like to go to classes. We like to come and listen to a sermon. And you like to listen, maybe take notes, and you and listen, and, you know, we're up here, and you're out there, and that's safe. we got this nice safe zone between what's being said and what you do with what's being said. But Paul skips that. He's like, this isn't a sermon. This is a prayer. And so I'm going straight for their inner parts, that you would be strengthened in your inner human. And that is a big part of what Heidi and I as pastors and leaders are very concerned about for you is that your inner human being, not your outward behaviors, that changes when your inner human being has is, is been restored by Christ. When all of the trauma, all of the hurt, all of the pain, all of the addiction, all of the personality things, all of that stuff inside comes in contact with the love of Christ, it begins to change, and then you begin to live in community in a different way. We want your inner being to be healed. And that's why we do classes like EHS and EHR and why we talk about the inner human all the time. And this is what Paul is praying for. So when we pray this prayer, when I pray this prayer for you, know that I'm not thinking, gosh, I wish so-and-so was nicer. I wish so-and-so didn't cuss so much. I wish so-and-so wasn't so whatever. I'm praying that your inner human is becoming more and more like Jesus. This is like, this is our heart. Whatever you think about us, whatever you think about us as leaders, know this is our heart for you, that you would be strengthened in your inner being, not just out here, not just knowledge, but knowledge that brings understanding of God's love, which is massive. Do you have something else? I was listening this week to Christianity Today, and they have a podcast, and do you ever listen to something where you're like, oh, I thought that way, and oh, I was so wrong? Do you ever have those moments? And they were talking, this lady was talking about, I think she's a pastor or a theologian, and she was saying that there's an idea in the church that if you can find the right church, if you can find the right group of people, if the church can find the right program, if they teach the right classes, when the church figures it out, then there won't be sin. I know. And she says, but the honest truth is, if I look at myself, I am still very sinful. And so how can I expect everybody else in the room to not be? And I think as a pastor, this is I think I thought if I can learn how to do this right, if I can learn how to lead you right, if I can learn how to teach you the right skills, then we will all get along. I know it's, it's so false, isn't it? I'm glad you're laughing. Um, and I think it's just important to remember that no matter what happens, we are still all a room full of sinful people. We will always be. Saved by grace, saints... I like how Kathleen says it. We are saints who sin. Dig it. We are saints who sin, and we still sin. And no matter what program we ever come across or whatever church we go to, we will still be a room full of saints who sin. Mm -hmm. And I just needed to remember that. Um, to let you be more human and to let me be more human. 
because sometimes as a perfectionist, I have a hard time letting myself be human. And sometimes I have a hard time letting you be human. And most of the time, I don't want to be human. <laughs> I just want to be right. You're barely human. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just want to be they right. They told me to poke at you today, Steve and Audrey, because you poke at other people. So they're like, Steve why are up there Audrey? with a mic? Would you poke at Jamie today and tease him a little bit? I just love that she like, threw you under the bus. <laughs> you guys are going down later. Oh, I'm uh, kidding. Mm. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Yeah. You ready to conclude? I kind of... I, I, Did I, you have I, something? So the y'alls okay. in this, mm -hmm. th there are, in his prayer, three massive things that he says, I am praying that you all get this. And, and I feel like we need to be, they need to be, because you know, it's like, oh, this is a nice scripture. It's a beautiful scripture. It's like poetry or whatever. <laughs> but I was writing it out and I was like floored by it. And like I started, I said, this is the most audacious prayer I think that's ever been prayed. And it's still being prayed, because I pray it for you. But this is what Paul says, that you'd be filled with power through the Holy Spirit so that y'all can comprehend the incomprehensible, right? That you can get your tiny human brain, and I'm not like insulting you. I'm just saying that, you know, compared to God, compared to the universe, compared to all that is in existence that God has just spoken to existence, our brains are so tiny, and, and we only use a small part of them, and that you could get that small part of your brain that you were using and wrap that around the incomprehensible love of God, that together you would begin to plumb its depths that you would begin to find the margins and edges or even look for them. Good luck, right? If you, who's, who's out there past the edge? I, I can't find the edge. It's way gone. So that this is that you'd have power to begin to comprehend the incomprehensible love of God and that y'all would have knowledge that surpasses knowledge. Like what in the world is he even talking about? And he's talking about that. Now, it's not just out here in front of you, but it goes beyond that. It's a knowledge that transforms you, that as you begin to plumb the depths of God's love, that you are changed from the inside out. Bible says from glory to glory, like deeper, deeper, and I'm going like this, deeper and deeper, deeper, it's upside down, that we would go further up and further in, as uh, C.S. Lewis says. And then at the end of it, he says, so that y'all may be filled, get this, with the fullness of God. I don't know if you picked up in here, but Paul is very intentional to start with the prayer with God the Father. He says, for this reason I bow my knee before God, the, the, whom every nation on earth and in heaven takes its name, a father of every nation. So God the Father. And he says that you be strengthened by his, what? Spirit. So now we have the Holy Spirit. And he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. The fullness of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There is nothing left out. You ever felt like you're just missing some of God? Like that you just, you just don't have some of it? That not just that I need more, but there's something missing? Paul is praying, I am praying, Heidi is praying, that each of you, fallen, broken human containers who are saints, would be filled. Cracked, maybe. Broken, maybe. Be filled with the fullness of God. Not just a drip, 
not just a little bit of the Holy Spirit, not just a little bit of Jesus, all of God would reside in you. You would become the temple of the Holy Spirit together, all of us. Is this not (laughs) mind-blowing? Is this not massive? But know that his work in us adds to his glory. We are the glory of God. It says he prays out of God's, the riches of God's glory. We are the glory of God. Everything that is good, everything that is wonderful about God, we are his glory. You are his glory. You are his craftsmanship, his workmanship, his beloved child. And you, the church, are now being filled to the fullness of the glory of God. That is Paul's deep prayer. This is our prayer. Here's our heart on our sleeves, on our plate, on the, on the whatever this thing is. What do we do with it? What, where, where do we end this prayer or this sermon? What, how do we do this? She, she's looking at me like, I don't know. We had a plan yesterday, but I don't remember what it was now because I didn't write it down. You, you hijacked it and went in a completely different direction. Nice. So um, let's end by praying for you. Should we pray the prayer? Yeah. Okay. You going to do it? Sure. I'd okay. love to. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you all may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you all may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him, who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever.